consulting is really about challenging the client. And in a way, I believe this is the case when we talk about the climate crisis is really to, you know, if you get a brief or you're talking to your client, typically it would go, yeah, so we have this new, I don't know, sustainability report. Can you just make a campaign for it? And you would say, okay, sure. What's the biggest numbers in there? And we're going to do some nice pie charts. But you can also say, first of all, read it, <laughs> right? Compare it to other ones and then say, is this enough? Is this something that is newsworthy at all? Is it something that can change, you know, not just people's impressions of your company, but change people's behavior? Hello, and welcome to Future Strategies. I'm your host, Florian Schleicher. You want your marketing to achieve goals and sustainable growth? You have come to the right place. In this podcast, I talk with marketing experts and share my own know-how on how to bring your marketing to the next level with a lot of inspiration and learnings, all without the usual hustle. So let's jump right into it. Today, I am very happy to chat with Michael Schmidt from Virtual Identity, where he is creative director and mobility industry lead. After working in all agency positions from design to creative to account management to strategy, he now specializes in international digital communication strategies that involve digital-driven organizational change. Leading teams of up to 25 people, he's an expert when it comes to digital consulting capabilities from strategy, analytics, performance marketing, audience insights, as well as creative art copy, co-creation and change management. Besides his marketing know-how, he ponders with thoughts on autonomous mobility, the next digital driver of economic and societal change after the smartphone, and how to get active against the climate crisis. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Fran. Thanks for having me. So you and I have worked together for four years at uh, the agency Virtual Identity, and I was always very happy to learn from you because you are both a creative and a strategic mind. And I can still remember having a lot of fun and discussions about several projects. So before we dive into some of the deeper questions, let's start with the basics. What is your current job as creative director and mobility industry lead? And what do you actually do in that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my job as a creative director is pretty straightforward, I would say. I'm trying to find the project with the most potential for creative highlights um, and work with a team to, to get the most out of the brief, really. Most of the time, this involves some combination of kind of, we have so with three criteria that we're looking at. One of them is to be able to kind of trigger the zeitgeist in some way mm -hmm. with the brief. Um, the second is obviously to do something that is that not anybody has done before, right? Mm -hmm. So to find kind of a sweet spot of, of in, the, in the industry or in the country, in the market that you're in. And the third thing is we're, we're trying to find a point of view that is, that is new and that, you know, pushes, pushes forward at least what we do. If we're, if we're making mm -hmm. a good job, we're, we're pushing forward the industry, but, you know, we're trying to, um, to reinvent ourselves as much as we can. And certainly this year, it's very important for us to do that. So that's my job as a creative director. And 
what you know over the past decade really was working with a lot of uh, mobility clients mm -hmm. um, and we identified that there's a number of key industries for our business and our portfolio that we need to move more into and you know deep into and one of that was mobility and i took over a responsibility over the next three years to to lead that effort mm -hmm. and try to to get a better stand stance in the industry as hopefully an expert and i'm not doing this alone obviously with with a team so you will see hopefully some of those fruits coming to life in the next few months i can't wait for that so I saw that you also were consulting director for a couple of years yes. at the agency. Now, would you consider yourself more of a strategist or of a creative person? I think of a blend, really. I mean, first of all, thanks for for kind of the overview of my of my career so far. <laughs> um, you know, I spent most of the I spent most of my time at one agency and doing all those different things at one place. Uh, compared, to, I mean, to you or or many others in the industry who switch from interesting place uh, to another, and I, you know, try to keep myself interesting or interested in the things that I can do at my agency, and that's that's I say what I'm what I'm taking kind of more as as a laddering up approach to say, okay, I did this and I did that in the past, and I can put that into the the projects that I'm doing now. I saw it's like it's been like 14 years. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's. I think uh, beginning of November, it's going to be 15 years. Yeah, it's kind so, of so, so what, what do you like so much about this agency in particular that you've built your career there? I mean, you should know. You've, you've worked with us <laughs> for, for some time. No, I mean, the one thing is for, for the creative part, it really, it's kind of full circle in a way because I started in the creative department. Mm. When I entered the industry, I was a designer. So now I'm back in the creative field. And I enjoy that a lot. But what keeps me there is really, it's really the, the company culture, um, mm. and, and I think you 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 got you got a, got a glimpse of that, and or even more, and uh, the strong focus that we have, personal and professional development, you know, the way you get you receive feedback on a very personal level that helps you kind of evolve as, you know, as a person and as a yeah. as a leader. In the best case, that is something that, that is not just for me, but it, that's the thing that keeps people with us. When, when you ask them, why are you still here? <laughs> they, would, they would tell you, this is kind of the bond that they have to the place. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, I can definitely sign that, that there is a lot of investment into people and their development at the agency. And I've learned a lot, like really a lot from how how people work together, how to give feedback. And in a positive way, it has ruined me from working at other agencies. Because whenever I was in contact with other agencies, whether I was at McDonald's, at Greenpeace, later on to Good To Go, I enjoyed working with those companies, with those advertising agencies. But I never reached a point where I thought, I would like to work for them, mm. not with them. And I think so there is something special that you have created there. At virtual identity too. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I mean, you know, obviously, I I don't have the experience of working at one agency before I, I I came to virtual identity, so I don't have like direct comparison. To say, but it's really it's really better than anywhere else. So yeah. <laughs> I cannot really say for myself, but I get the same feel. And you know, as long as I um, I can evolve myself, I have the same feeling, just as you described. You know, I 
I like working with a lot of great partners that we have. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I like it more where I am. And, uh, you know, obviously, over the years, I was able to, to help shape the place and with all the ups and downs, obviously, that are, that are coming over the years. Um, yeah, but it's still, I don't have enough still. So, yeah, can go on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's now talk a little bit deeper about a topic both you and I care deeply about, which is sustainability and the future of our planet. So I'm really curious is on what made you personally realize that you want to become active and dedicate your work also to this topic? Yeah. I mean, first of all, if I may, the planet will survive, right? Without us. So I think that's a, a helpful distinction to make because it also gives us a more of an impression of, uh, let's say, the, the impact that we're having, both in a positive and a negative way. Mm. Um, so maybe uh, we should call it not like climate crisis, but humanitarian crisis? No, I think the climate crisis is pretty correct, but it's not that we have to save the planet. I mm. think we have to yeah. save ourselves, really, or the future generations. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate, I think it's the ultimate challenge of humanity, and the problem really is it's self-inflicted, right? So we don't have anyone else to blame. And I read, I think there's a great article in, in Zeit.de and they said it's kind of the, it's one of the major things that, that is hard for humanity to accept, you know, just like the earth is not the, the middle of the universe, hmm. or the center of the new universe and, and a few, few other things that we consider kind of changing the trajectory of our society. But this one is really hard because, because we know it's only ourselves we can blame. Right. It, it was easier to accept eventually that the sun is the center of, of the of the solar system mm. because i mean yeah, okay it's that's that's the way it is we can't really you know i don't know who you can blame for that but you were asking what what kind of the trigger for me was the yeah, yeah exactly i mean i don't think that is really a specific point in time um where i changed my mind or so but i, I think i was i was raised with a conscious of, it wasn't called sustainability back then, but it was called, you know, being conscious about your waste and energy use and uh, mm. water use, etc. And I think the, the major thing that, that happened for, for all of us was the pandemic. And it showed what, mm. what, what happens when there's a real global agreement that there's a big, big threat um, for all of us and all the things that were possible, obviously, you can debate about what was positive and neg- about, uh, negative about it, but it was, it was a big global effort um, mm. to stop this. And the same is not happening <laughs> in the climate crisis. And I think Greta Thunberg keeps repeating this line saying, if we would just uh, treat this as a crisis, then it would be, an e- it would be fixable. Mm. I think uh, the longer we go on, the, the further way this this positive outcome will will be. Yeah. And so because like everyone can just do what they are good at or what capabilities they have in to, to address this crisis, we can use marketing advertising skills, creative skills to solve that. What do you think is the role of an agency like yours? to combat this crisis. You asked me before about my previous role as, as 
consulting director. And I had this mantra back then for the team, which says, consulting is really about challenging the client. Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, I believe this is the case when we talk about, you know, societal issues. The biggest one, obviously, the climate crisis is really to, you know, if you get a brief or you're talking to your client, typically it would go, yeah, so we have this new, I don't know, sustainability report. Can you just make a campaign for it? Mm. And then you would say, okay, sure. I, what's, the, what's the biggest numbers in there? And we're going to do some nice pie charts. But you can also say, first of all, read it, <laughs> right? compare it to other ones, and then say, is this enough? Mm. Um, is this uh, something that, you know, is newsworthy at all? Is it something that, that can, can change, you know, not just people's impressions of your company, mm. but change people's behavior. And this is something I would say is the most important thing. What, what the role of an agency can be is to challenge your clients, challenge the briefs you get, um, challenge the industry, challenge your colleagues, you know within the agency and that's i think where we need a lot of um a lot of nimble young minds to do that and, and keep mm. the effort up yeah absolutely and i think this changing behaviors is one big part but thinking about that and coming back to your role also let's talk about the elephant in the room that as mobility industry lead you work with a lot of automotive companies also yeah that not all were or are 100% sustainable. So I'm very interested in what is your observation of this industry when it comes to real and sustainable change? Are they interested in that or do they just see quick business wins? To be honest, no, they're not interested in that. <laughs> Most mm -hmm. of the people I, I have met in the last decade trying to kind of preserve the business as it has been in the in the last 50 years. Mm. I mean, it's a great business, right? We we sell millions and billions of cars, and and you know the demand was insane. Infrastructure was built around the car, so basically you get the feel that the world is made for the car, and it is. And that's why I think there's there has been for a long time there has been little incentive to change, or at least let me put this more specific for major change. We have mm -hmm. seen innovation, we have seen small scale improvements, etc. But most of the things that are happening now are because there is real market pressure mm. and there's real pressure from regulation. So it's not, it's not, you cannot go on and, and just make combustion engine cars for the foreseeable future. So you mm. will see that there's a number of markets who would not sell your product uh, and you have competitors taking over Mm. for your customers so that's i think what is what is happening now and probably what should have happened much much earlier yeah. um but yet for for the industry to move out of this of this state where you say you know i'm doing this for my for my kind of overall bottom line and say of course i have a fleet of i don't know hundreds of thousands of uh of cars that are electric just so I can go on selling the old school stuff. Mm. Yeah. And this is something that, I mean, you know, I, I thought about that a lot saying, you know, but you want to change something in the field or help change in the, in the climate crisis. And then you work for the automotive industry and, and how does that, mm. you know, 
compute. Um, and I said, you know, I would rather be be working with a client to understand kind of the 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 internal pressure, the what's what's happening in the background. Why are mm. people making decisions like they are? Then kind of then just stand on the sidelines and say, but you're the bad guys, and I really don't mm. want to talk to you. So posted this one article on LinkedIn that said, you know, one day I thought about this. We need to we need to make such big changes or basically ubiquitous changes that we need to have change anywhere. Right. Mm. So it doesn't really matter where you work. Um, we that everywhere there needs to be something done differently. And so that's that's what I believe and that's what keeps me going. And you know probably I will have you know, other clients as well in the future who still have that transition before them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very honest look at how it is because currently, as I see it, a lot of companies, like everybody's talking about sustainability. Yeah. And I think in management layers, everybody knows about the challenges we face and the things that need to change. But... I, I just had some workshops also with clients revamping their sustainability strategy. And there are some hard decisions to make in there. Yeah. I talked to Georg Wengerami from Ökostrom AG in this podcast and he told me, yeah, you also have to, to accept that it's harder to make profit when you are 100% sustainable. Mm. Yes. You can still make it. And I think it's what's very interesting is you also mentioned regulations that are coming. And I think now is still the time when companies can be active players in the market and say, hey, that's what we're going to do in order to become more sustainable. Because in two years, regulators are going to tell them what they have to do. Yeah. And then everybody will do it. So now yeah. it's still a time where they can become thought leaders or like front runners on this topic. Sure. And I was wondering on coming maybe back to, to also the clients you work for, what do you think is important to create an authentic and also ambitious sustainability outreach, communication, marketing for those companies? Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's the that's that's the real question. I'm glad glad you're asking that because it's you know in in the last couple of days, obviously, I thought about our conversation today, and I said, okay, what can I bring to the table? <laughs> so, you know, a lot has been said about sustainability and, and efforts in that direction, but really, what I think is your question goes to that is there's, we need to consider both, I think, in, in, in communication. We need to consider what's the message, but also what's the medium. And I mean, for you and I probably, I don't know, you have to tell me, but we, for the last couple of years, you know, when I worked with, uh, with, within campaigns, the medium was really, yeah, of course it's digital, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think about anything else. And then, but I think if the message is, we're going to be more sustainable. The least we need to do is to have to work in media that are just as sustainable uh, as the message we're, we're bringing across. Mm. And this is not, I think, what, what, what needs to be done on client side or in, in the collaboration of agency and client is really to be just 
very, very consequent about this. Mm. And not say, yeah, of course, I'm doing sustainability campaign and then I'm booking all city lights in the, in the you know, in town and run them 24-7. So just everybody gets the, yeah. gets the message. But really it's about, we have something that we need to talk about, A, but the way we're talking about it and the places we choose to do that, I think is just as important for, for the conversation. And, you know, just to, just to make sure my, you know, the field that I'm working is working in is, is marketing communications, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not working in pricing. I'm not working in product development, et cetera. There's a lot to be found there that, that can bring real effects. Obviously, you know, the product itself how it's manufactured, how it's sourced, how it's delivered, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, and then the pricing, I think we, we saw, we saw Penny in, in Germany for a week to change the pricing to true cost, right? Mm. I don't know if you saw that it was in July. No, so. I haven't. Yeah, you should check it out. It was, I mean, you could say it was a marketing gag, but mm. I mean, if I'm doing a marketing gag, I should be doing this, right? Yeah. Make people aware of the true cost of, of a product. Mm. Um, so, but if you're looking just at kind of the placement and promotion, when you, when you just stick to the kind of playbook marketing piece, right? I think that's where we need to look at. And my, my work is always going into, if we're talking about a topic, can we make the medium just as strong? You know, you have a kind of direct conversational topic, you, you, you pick TikTok, for example. But the mm. one thing that we did was for BMW and the case, I mean, we've been running that case up and down the street for the last couple of months, was just saying, we need to make people aware that that electrification is a thing. And how can we do that? We just painted all over the walls in, in the city. I mean, mm. eventually we took one, one wall for a mural, but you know, mm. you could do that on a multiple multiple places. And my feel is we need to think, you know, more spatial to lose, to use the latest trend word um, <laughs> in the way we, we look at media mix and choice of medium, because this is, I think what happens now, I don't know if you heard that, but there's a radio campaign now going, and this has been going on for a long time. The magic of radio in German. Mm, yes. Radio, right. And now they're yeah, I know that one. radio is the most, most sustainable and emission-free medium, right? So everybody's trying to, to pick up this trend. But I say, if we really think about it, the least we need to do is make sure we have green electricity to run all our devices mm. and, or have no electricity at all and just, you know, make a green space that communicates your message. For example, we have all kinds of working QR codes that can be made up of anything. Right. So I, I think we need to be more specific, more consequent. What are the things that we need to do anyway in terms of having more greener cities? And how can we use that as a medium for our message? And I think that's, I would say, that's the challenge that we should face when we plan marketing communications. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this aspect also of advertisers. Yeah. So the companies who own the city lights, the billboards, the radio stations, etc. I think a big problem there is, and overall in our society, there is no definitive description of what sustainability means. Yeah. 
because a lot of people also say, okay, a, a big oil company is also sustainable because they have been existing for the last 100 plus years. Yeah. So they have created a sustainable business. Sure. But a lot of the conversation right now is about the green aspect of sustainability. Yes, there are many others, yeah. So, so it's easy to say, okay, radio is the most sustainable, but like, what's the definition behind that? How do those people run their advertise uh, their radio stations? Yeah, I mean, we have the, we have the the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. That's that's exactly. basically the definition, right? But yeah. more, most of most of a kind of a mainstream is really you know sustainability is something with green and it's you know I don't know less polluting than anything than something yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. And and you wrote it in a blog post a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. which which was titled "What Can You Believe in Green Marketing?" Right. and you were talking about that there is a lot of claims currently about emission-reduced future from everybody. I saw a cheese this summer advertising in Austria and Vienna that it's very climate-friendly, which I don't know if it really is, but it sounded a little bit like greenwashing. Mm. And I think the problem also is you wrote it, and I would like to quote you on this, doing less doesn't mix well with the advertising industry. Marketing people are used to maxing out opportunities and going after the extra mile in more reach, more sales, more rewards. To renounce, wave, or sacrifice an advertising opportunity isn't really part of this industry's vocabulary. So I think there is a lot of, of, of good stuff in there of the analysis, like why marketing also has such a tough job in changing messaging, because we were used to getting people to buy something that is per se not sustainable. Yeah, it's the default way of thinking. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, a few, a few, I think, important things in there to, to unpack. Because really, if you're saying from an economic or let's say business standpoint, sustainability or, yeah, let's, let's stick with that, is really about degrowth, is really about reversing the, the, the kind of, default thinking that we have implemented in us. I mean, even more in us because we're working in advertising and marketing. I think it's probably something else for, for everyone else. But there was a, one book I was reading and it's called All You Need Is Less. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, two old white men talking. So it's, <laughs> you know, take it with a grain of salt. But the one is a philosopher and the other one is a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, because I was, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of years, if, if I look back with, we, we thought, oh my God, what's the best you can achieve in, in marketing? Yeah. It's, you need to be something like Apple. It's like a religion, right? And mm -hmm. people camp out and stand in line for hours, et cetera. And then I said, is there a, is there a religion that can help us degrowth or, or, or pursue degrowth? And then, you know, you, you, you understand that many religions are really about, you know, kind of accepting that you need less. Yeah. I think there's a, there is something very good in, in there. It's the less, but I, I'm not convinced that degrowth is the system we should go for because degrowth would mean lessen our economic growth. Yeah. Which we could do and let's say austria does it let's say the eu does it china will not agree to that and all current third world 
democracies also will not agree to that because they say, hey, now finally we have figured out how to do growth and you want to stop us. So I think that, that that's very hard to do. I think probably you agree on that is less but better stuff. So less can then be more expensive stuff. Like I don't buy five sweaters at H&M. Maybe I buy one sweater a year at a higher price, which then is more durable right. and gives me more joy and is fair produced and, and with, with good materials. Yeah. And let me, let me just pick up what you said. And I, I think what, what, what is important there is, you know, any of those buzzwords, they're not the solution, right? Yeah. So it's very easy. So there's no simple solution for, for that. And I agree that there will, no, there will not be a kind of a global handshake that says, okay, guys, starting October 1st, we're going to degrow mm -hmm. um, and everybody's fine. Probably not going to happen. And I have, I mean, I learned that in the end, you will ask me about some book recommendations. I have one there. But, <laughs> but there, there needs to be a way of sorting out the needs that, that are there um, and, and kind of successfully transitioning from, from the, the economic system that we have now to a different one, whatever that, that will be. And what I'm convinced of is there need to be leaders um, that, that are going ahead into the unknown. And, and we have seen it in Scandinavia and, mm. uh, you know, Finland have, have the most ambitious electrification uh, program of, of all verticals, really, from public transport to, you know, ferry systems. Uh, mm. They have not just the same charger as, as the electric car, but also, you know, machines in construction. They have the... Mm. The construction side is is doesn't make any noise uh, because yeah, they're all electric, and I think that is something where where the where some pioneers will hopefully be able to prove that it is a feasible, b that there is an industry and the business there, because you know if Finland needs I don't know two thousand construction machinery. Somebody else will buy them as well, and hopefully there's a factory that that can can make a lot of them. But we need to see that, see the proof, and then, as you said before, find out where is the profit. Is there a profit in there? Mm -hmm. Because exactly. the way the way everybody thinks now, without a profit, you would not go on <laughs> lift a finger. Exactly. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I think we can summarize the sustainability discussion with it's tough. Yeah, and I, know, think, I, I think I think we, we have to remain optimistic about it still. Yeah, sure, but I mean, we need to we need to I think we need to have if if that's the last word we have, <laughs> let's say we need to be tough. I think that's that's nice. more of yeah because the the time is running out. We cannot be easy on on you know on ourselves. And there's this oil company Mobile, right? You mm -hmm. know them. And I found an ad from 1967. Wow. that they did and it was listed in this book game changes of advertising mm -hmm. which was we want you to live right so this is an oil company in 1967 uh and and today it's you know proven that many of the tactics and and you know lobbyist outcomes that they've achieved was really to make sure we, can, we will not live uh, and, and I think that's when I mean we need to be tough 
is really there's some there's a lot of things we need to say goodbye to and and this will be a, a, t a hard transition yeah yeah one very short question before we move to the final three yeah you wrote in your bio that you are thinking about the next societal change after the smartphone yes what could that be uh, yeah that's a good question i don't have the answer yet but i i would go out on a limb and say it's not apple vision pro <laughs> <laughs> and my best guess would be it's the e-bike mm -hmm. yeah it's the e-bike i mean it it's if you look at the growth charts from e-bikes it's i think the closest we can get to iphone and ipad it's Interesting. it's through the roof it's 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 the best selling electric vehicle in the world and nobody's talking about it so mm -hmm. everybody's talking about you know electric cars but really they're not the solution mm -hmm. and i think many people made that point the traffic jam that is out there it will be the same if those cars are all electric so yeah. there's there's a modal change that needs to happen and it is happening um, and i think that's where i would be looking at because it, it has so many implications if you start thinking about it and we touched upon the subject today infrastructure built around the car if you think about what else is depending on the car and if you eliminate the car over the next decades this this is a major major transition mm -hmm. and i where i would be looking is is e-bikes and e-scooters there's last word there is a last sentence there is this you probably know this micro this was this tiny scooters not electric scooters. yeah 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 i had one of those cool you have, yeah 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 of course i was yeah. one of the uncool kids back then because everybody was <laughs> using their skateboards and then there was me on oh, the scooter wow. but was it a nerdy 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 thing yeah definitely know. anyway do you know that the same company is now making an electric car it's called mm -hmm. microlino it's they have a really great i think a great marketing It's built in, I think, in Italy or Switzerland, and it looks like a Fiat 500 Cinquecento, like it's mm -hmm. by design, and it's it's electric. And this is, you know, uh, uh, they're trying to be a disruptor in the car industry coming from non-electric scooters. So a bunch of interesting things happening kind of on the outskirts of this industry. Very interesting. I feel like there is still so much more we could talk about. But we'll have to do that another time. This is your first podcast, Florian. So you know, <laughs> I'm just getting started. <laughs> I was, I was, I was never on a podcast, so it's my first time. Amazing. So to finalize this first podcast of yours, <laughs> let's move to my final three questions. Number one is, what do you think makes good marketing in three words? Yeah, three words. I'd say good marketing is the footprint of progress. Interesting. If we I can like do that. that, I have other ones, but I'm not telling you them. I, I deleted or kind of <laughs> stroke them out, and not as good. <laughs> Maybe I, you can show me them another time. I, what I can do is I can comment on your LinkedIn post. Great, yeah, that's about that. people think. <laughs> Second question: What is the future of marketing? The same thing, I'd say. There's there's no future <laughs> on a dead planet. It's what it's what as the saying goes, right? So. Mm. The future of, of marketing is only you know happening if we can solve the climate crisis. I agree. Last question. What book have you read recently that you would like to recommend here? Yeah, I have uh, in my vacation just one and a half weeks ago, I read Invisible Women by Caroline Crado Perez mm -hmm. um, about the, the, the data gender gap 
which is just enormous. It's unbelievable. So, mm. I mean, I was aware what's happening, but just, just the, the sheer size of this problem is just ridiculous. And, you know, we've, for a long time, we've been deliberately, uh, excluding 50% of population on some of the most, you know, essential, uh, statistics in, in our society. So this is highly, highly recommended. And then on another level, I, if I may, and I've, I read this two or three years ago, but I keep recommending this and also handing out books <laughs> if I find some. It's only available in German and Italian. So I don't know how about mm -hmm. your language skills, but there's a short version on Medium, which maybe I can send you the link. And it's from Maike Stoberock. She's a German biologist and she wrote about female choice. Um, you know, the, the pattern that in animal life, like, you know, if you consider humans, animals as well, there over, over, you know, millions of years, the female would be the, would be the one choosing her partner, mm -hmm. right? Somehow humanity managed to, to reverse that. And most of the mm -hmm. time, you know, if you look back at the last centuries, it was the male choosing the female partner, then kind of controlling her fate, if you will. And this is an, an enlightening book, which, you know, answers so many or gives hints what the answer could be. So many of those of the challenges that we face, why is our world the way it is, mm. it has something to do with, with, uh, with humanity settling down, you know, changing the, the kind of public and private parts of society. And yeah, highly, highly recommended those, those two books kind of changed my life, I would say. Thank you so much. Very interesting. And please send me the link to the second one. Sure. So I can also put it in the show notes maybe. So to wrap things up, thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time and talking with me about all these topics. Sure. Florian, it was a pleasure. I was really excited going into this and yeah, I could go on, but maybe it's not to, to keep everybody's time. So thank you again. All the best for, for your podcast. And I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you soon. Yes. So I really look forward now to our next conversation, maybe again with a breakfast before we start into our yeah. whirlwind of days. <laughs> that's great. Yes. So see you soon and take care. Thank you, Flan. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And now I have a question for you. Are you curious how your marketing can achieve sustainable growth? Then I have some simple and exciting options for you. First, this is exactly what I do for my clients. I help them build their future strategy with workshops and sparring sessions. I also have a very simple entry offer for founders and aspiring marketing experts, the Simple and Sustainable Marketing Academy, with a ridiculously cheap entry ticket price. Because I love sharing what I've learned. Lastly, if you enjoy reading, check out my newsletter, where I write about marketing, strategies and sustainability for over a thousand bright and curious minds. You can find all the info in the show notes. And if you have any feedback on this episode, I'd love to hear it. Please give me a rating wherever you listen, if you like it, or reach out to me directly. So until next time on Future Strategies.